Yo, welcome to the Low Key Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Keith, and I'm joined here today with Aaron and Tim, as always. And today we're talking about the HBO series Lovecraft Country. Um, so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a show that's um, kind of loosely based off the works of H.P. H.P. Lovecraft. So you know, pretty pretty much a lot of um, sci-fi, fantasy, horror. Um, type of tropes ensue throughout the entire series so I don't know what do you, what do you guys what do you guys overall think about the show um, the, so, the plot itself like first off like you know I don't know if it was just me but at certain points I was like what the fuck is going on so I want yeah, to see yeah. so so you know uh i guess first uh let's just say that we're going to be spoiling the entire series keith and i finished it uh tim got through about episode four uh he had other obligations so couldn't finish it and myself you know trying to binge it within a week i feel like was a mistake because it was so much information it was hard to like you know just really appreciate what was happening all the time there's so much really great stuff happening in the show um from a plot perspective, if you have to give like some broad overview, it's a little difficult, but essentially um, it's about a family, a black family uh, living in Chicago who have a legacy that dates back, you know, to the days of slavery and um, the um, their ancestors having, you know, had, you know, um, a sharing blood with their slave masters ended up having magic uh, imbued within them. And so because of that, uh, the Freeman family, I would just name this black family that we're following, um, is um, caught in the midst of all these different things that uh, encompass not just horror and magic elements, but, but science fiction and all these other things, the past, the future, um, you know, it, it spans into other countries as well in Korea, where we follow Atticus Freeman and him as a Korean soldier and, and you know, the things he went through there. And it, it just goes over all sorts of things. But uh, it's, you know, how, how you sum up this plot is kind of difficult. But, uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's a story about family and about sacrifice and finding your way through this crazy world and you know what what is what sanity what are your values and and you know how do you try to uphold that in a world that you know isn't fair yeah i mean hp lovecraft is kind of known for two things he's known for creating these horrific monsters and he's known for being a horrific monster in terms of his racial views and so this show kind of kind of uses his creatures as almost like a metaphor for racism um where like in the in the early episodes people are being chased through the forest by racist cops um and simultaneously by these horrible monsters who are preying on them and the cops i really like the show uh i am only four episodes in not because i didn't want to watch more but because i just ran out of time i'm this is a plug for the evolution mallorca film festival where i am a judge and that's just taking up a ton of time with shows that with uh films that i get to watch but I'm going to dive into Lovecraft Country as soon as I possibly can because I thought it was really well done. And granted, I haven't seen it all the way through, but I just feel like this is a show where the mythology around it is kind of goofy in 1950s, like sci-fi weird enough that I don't care that much about getting it exactly right. I just want it to go as crazy off the rails as possible. And from what you guys have told me, it sounds like that's going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely goes crazy and off the rails. Yeah, um, but you, but you know what what was what was strange to me about the show and and what I thought the show was initially was that it was going to be like all these like small kind of like separate stories in a way that like are kind of loosely connected to a bigger plot. Yeah. But each episode would be this this separate thing in itself. And we get episodes that's like that. And I, to me personally, those are the best episodes because once once it starts to flow into like what the major plot is, that's where I personally get lost. Yeah, but because basically it becomes a really, 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 really good version of a CW show like Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think of it like that. Like like those type of shows or even um, what was the OG to me of those CW shows was always Smallville. But um. 
But what it really reminded me of, like, a little bit was like um, X Files. Mm, where, okay. You know, at least at least in the first few episodes that Tim watched, I know that that some of them gave me like this X Files vibe, and I was just you know just along for the ride with everything. But once to me personally, once they start focusing on, um, honestly, Atticus and his storyline, which is pretty much the major storyline, the things connected with him and his family. That's when I was kind of taken out from the story, honestly. Yeah, so let, let's come back to that because I think that's a, a much larger point um, about the flow of the show and what it chooses to emphasize. I think because there's so much at, uh, emphasis on Atticus, it loses. Um, not that it loses. It, it, it's an amazing show, so let's start with that. But the things that, that take it to like an extraordinary place – it loses some of that when it, it has to focus so much around Atticus. Um, now, having said that, though, um, you know, I, I think one of the places we should begin is with the casting um, and just the the acting um, that that is present. Top notch, you know, from the people who get big roles to small roles, like everybody's just knocking it out the park and. That that was one of the things for me that just shone through. I mean, this is true typically with HBO and, and the the you know creative teams they put behind these shows. They know how to uh, really gauge the right people to to tell the story and and mm-hmm. and to bring it to life on you know who are in front of the camera. And, and I just was really impressed by all those people. Yeah, so, I love that this is a Jordan Peele show. I feel like. My wife and I have been on a huge Key and Peele kick for the last few months. And it's just amazing how much of his later work you can kind of see the seeds of in like a, a Key and Peele skit. Hmm. I just like combine the word skit and sketch in a yeah. horrible way. Sketch. Hey, you know, um, that's what happens when you're <laughs> in the improv community for too long in New York. <laughs> but like I, you can see his influence. It's like the first two episodes feel a little bit get out to me. The third episode feels a little bit poltergeist. And the fourth episode feels mm. a little Indiana Jones. But yes, yes, yes. In. And Misha Green's previous show, Underground, was like a really big swing. Underground was amazing. Yeah. I mean, she's just a gutsy showrunner and really just takes massive swings, just goes for really difficult subject matter. And I think this applies. Um, mm. and I totally agree with you on the casting being just top to bottom killer um journey Smollett is amazing and i mean jonathan majors i guess is like the new guy who's gonna be in everything isn't he <laughs> i when i when i saw that he was leading this i was like wait a minute wasn't he just in um oh like, wow, no, yeah and I, but this would trip me out so in the first episode i recognized him and I, I you know from the promotions you know he in there but then i was like when he get all this muscle what the hell is this he had the muscle in the five bloods, though. Not like that. No, he he swole his head. It. No, he can watch it. This man <laughs> out here looking like Black Hercules, like, and they they made sure to show his skin plenty of times for the ladies, man. I, I was <laughs> just so funny. Well, I think that was the difference in the five bloods. There was never really too many situations for him to like have his shirt off. Well, I guess Spike Lee also is not like a you know shooting yeah. for the ladies exactly, right? But uh, well, I don't know. Because Spike Lee, I mean, his earlier movies, there were like plenty, plenty of the sex scenes. Well, that's true, so, true, true. That's fair. That's fair. So uh, he, he don't, he don't, he don't have no, you know, qualms about showing flesh. I tell you that. Not at all. Get some the pulpiness of it too, because like the way they shoot Journey Small in the first episode is kind of like, kind of unusual now. Like they really do like play up her looks a lot, which you don't yeah. see on television that much lately. As you know, shows try to be a little more conscientious, but I think with like a female showrunner and because it's integral to the plot, they really do just show off how good looking these people are, which is cool. Yeah, and, um, and, the, and the costuming, they really choose things that pop, you yeah. know. Um, it, it feels vintage and at the same time, um, very, very fresh. Um, from, from the way they use makeup and lipstick, um, and and just the, like they're very, I'm not a costume designer, obviously. So you know, if mm-hmm. I'm butchering how to describe some of these things, you know, uh, feel free to hit me up on it. But you know, th- there's just certain ways that the clothes fit and 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 the style and the dress, like it's just really, really, um, 
it, 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 I don't know, it feels right. I, I can't really the, find the right way to the put it. The set design, like the musical choices, I think it's all really bold. Like I the really music like- choices are amazing. It's it's kind of a Misha Green trademark. She used to do that. Actually, the thing that I don't care for the most, but I'm sorry. Oh, really? The oh, music, sorry. yeah. Now, anyway, talking, I, I think I know the moment you might you might have got taken out the moment because uh, I was so shocked. I mean, oh, is it Waiting on the Moon? No, 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 no. Gil Scott here on. You can play that every time. You talking about Bodak Yellow? No, nah, <laughs> I, 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 nah, the the uh the the Red Pumps shit. I can't remember the name of that song. But I, uh, I thought it was so cool to have a show. So, so so hold up, Tim. We're gonna ruin some very fucking shocking for you real quick. Great. So Ruby, so Letty's sister. Talk, that's what I just said. The Cardi B song. Bodak oh, that's Yellow. what it's called. Oh shit, I don't remember. Yeah, that. Bodak Yellow. Yeah, but no, even before that, can, just, can, can we describe the scene for Tim real quick? Yeah, you can describe. It's cool. So <laughs> there's a. It'd be better if he watch it, but yeah, you could describe it. <laughs> no, no. Probably your description of Zoom is probably way better than the show HBO spent a hundred billion dollars on. Oh no! Right. <laughs> if if someone described this to me, I'd be like, that doesn't make any fucking sense, and I need to see it. So there is a spell that, oh God, yeah, some of this I don't want to spoil. Okay, I won't say. You know, fuck it. One way to hear Cardi, B, Cardi B's voice, pay attention, is what you're saying. All right, so Ruby, the sister of Letty, gets a hold of a spell that turns her into a white woman. Okay. Okay, now, here's the thing. It's not just simply that she turns to a white woman. Like, if you don't take the spell enough, your flesh, the flesh that you've taken as a white person peels off, and it's very painful. Like, you, you just, you start looking like you're just dying. Like, she starts bugging out, and all the flesh just peels off. There's this moment where she, she has this job for a bit. She decides she doesn't want to be in white spaces anymore. And there's this particular guy who was her manager who she witnessed try to rape a black woman. The black woman got away, and he called her a nigger bitch. Ugh. So she decided the next day to go, because she's the white woman at, at the job. And you know she's managing all these people. She hands she in her record. Cops and the black woman. No, no, no. just kidding. Come no, on. No, not not this time. Not this time. <laughs> Maybe she'll do that in season two. Um, but she decides to go to the job, talk to the manager, say I'm quitting because I have all these like sensual feelings for you, and I you know I can't act on them if I'm still working for you. He goes, oh, okay. So she starts doing like bondage stuff to him. He's getting all excited. And then she puts her red pumps up his ass several times, rapes him with the pump, allows the white flesh to come off and says, I wanted you to know that a nigger bitch did this to you and walks off. Now, meanwhile, Kodak Black is playing and is this part in, in the in the uh, course about red pumps. and I got bloody shoes. Yeah, yeah, that, that shit. Yeah, look, you, you calling, know better than I do. Calling the song, different stuff, Kodak Black, <laughs> Bodak Yellow. Come on now, man. Damn you old man. But yeah. um, back to the music though. I, I just personally don't like modern day music put in like those type of settings. I think it I think in any movie or any show when they do that, it takes me out of it from for a bit. I just because think I think the music is such an important part to the era. But see, I, I think or oh, I'll say the the way I feel when I listen to it is more like an homage to like how things evolved and what people get because it's not like it starts like that you know like they they show you some other other work and you listen to those things and I think it's just showing like the influence um in, in the vibe that we feel today that we can you know have looking at the show I, I do I, I agree well, I, with I, the I, overall point but that's what I got from it I, I feel the same way. I generally don't like it, but I think in this show, for instance, the scene where Abby Lee is Christina Bray, Braithwaite or something, mm -hmm. um, the extremely, extremely white woman who's uh, sort of the, anyway, we know who she is. Um, she drives like the silver, what kind of car is that? Oh, I don't know. She drives it, like it, the most beautiful car ever made. It looks like a bullet. Um, so she's cruising around and playing Rihanna, bitch better have my money. Like there's oh, no yeah, that's pretty cool. way they could have like a 1950 song by a female artist that would convey the same, the same emotion that that really simple setup does. And I just think when you see like a shortcut like that, take it. It's just so effective. I think, um, I think the only time that I was, you know, somewhat okay with that in the film was the Great Gatsby remake. Um, yeah, that was they cool. did. Where they did kind of like what you're talking about, where they would take like modern day songs, 
but they'll play it as like it's a 1920s type of song. Mm-hmm. The Lana Del Rey thing in, in Great Gatsby still, I still remember. Like that yeah. was totally excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Boz Lerman's thing. He's so good at that. So one thing I want to ask you guys about was, you know, kind of the element Keith brought in early. Um, and Tim, I feel like you hit on this too. This um, kind of idea that pieces of the show are like they, they are representative of certain things for certain episodes, even like, you know, certain blocks of episodes or even like, you know, as couplings. So like the first two episodes to me actually almost felt like a movie. Like it was kind of interesting because I was like, hell, you could you could literally do a movie and then you're done and it would be really great. Like that whole sequence would, I mean, like they literally did a season of plot in two episodes. In yeah, the, in, this, in, this show in the crown, I kind of feel bad for sometimes because I'm like, you could have just made that a movie and you might've got some Oscars. <laughs> it was so good. Oh my God. It was incredible. Like there's so much stuff to digest in every episode. It's just impossible to honestly give these episodes their due because there's so much, there's so much just present uh, just throughout. So like, even, you know, as you said, this idea that, you know, we have the monsters, the the actual horror monsters with the cops, like they're trying to get to the County line, the guys like, you know, if you, if you say it, you know, like, like a, a, you know, a a nice Negro or whatever you say, you know, I'll allow you to do a U-turn even, you know, almost caught you on that one, but you know, you a smart one. Okay. And then they make it past the candle line. Then they still do what they do to them. And then those people get ripped apart. Then it's like a vampire thing going on. And then they escape. And then they're at the house. And you realize they're actually really trapped in that town. And then they're using their magic to make them imagine things, their worst fears. And then the white people are watching them and using them in that way. There's just a lot of really crazy things going on. And then this guy who's like using a cult saying, well, yeah, you can claim you had this birthright, so on and so forth. But... I only use that that whole nonsense to control these people. I ain't even about that. So you can talk that shit in front of them, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna get what I want. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. There's a lot happening with that that's really, really cool. And and it's I don't know, man. I, I just I'm every episode has something I'm just really fascinated by. So okay, let me ask y'all a question. Yeah. Well, I well, I know Tim hasn't finished, but let me ask you this, Ann. Okay. Because I missed it. I don't know which episode I missed it, but like after they find his dad, Montrose, right? What is what is Atticus' motivation? Like, what is he doing? Okay, like, what does what does Atticus want? Because so you mean, I, I mean, lost past him. episode two. Yeah, pretty much. So, so, because, so remember in episode three, because all right, there's always something. It's funny you say that because I'm saying, what do he want? Like, right, right. So, so, what so, does, what does so okay, what does he want, or what's like guiding his actions? I mean, it's the same thing. What you want, guys? Your actions. Uh, not so. The reason I ask it that way is the reason he came home was to find his father. Okay, so we get that accomplished in episode two. Unfortunately, his uncle died. Uncle George dies. Um. Episode three, he's about to dip, and then something happens at the house with Letty right before he walks out. I think it was, oh, yeah, it was because the white people were, you know, the red lining, and they didn't want the white people there. I mean, excuse me, they didn't want the black people in the the white neighborhood that created this whole situation where they put the bricks on the horns and all that, and he's like, okay, I'm going to stick around for that. Um, Something else happened to him that episode that made him curious, and it was a plot away from Letty, because Letty's whole thing was solving the ghost mystery. Was it? It was the ghost stuff, but then I guess he found out somehow Christina was behind it because of the house itself. Because I remember him pulling the gun out on Christina. Right, yeah. Like, are you going to shoot a white woman in broad daylight? Yeah, so that's the thing. There's always, because the whole thing is like the family not being safe one way or another. Like realizing that people are in one way or another trying to take advantage of people that he cares about and if he's not present to some way be a part of that it's like this key figure in it that you know other people will be in danger that i'm saying that's how i'm saying that's how he looks at it i'm not even saying that's that that's exactly probably correct but that's how he views it yeah because it's not correct at all because he's the he's the common denominator like he's really what christina wants because she needed him for the sacrifice he doesn't know. I mean, that. I'm saying, I'm saying this to say that I, I personally, out of, I think all the actors are amazing. 
But like mm-hmm. from a character standpoint, I don't really understand what what Atticus is doing. That's why I said this is a than, really really just, great version of Supernatural. But I don't watch Supernatural. <laughs> oh, what I'm you saying is that, like he's just <laughs> I just feel like he's just reacting to stuff. Like he doesn't have like an actual goal. Like like cuz some of the best episodes are episodes where like the characters have something that they want and you know that's what they want and you see that that all that them going through all of this throughout the episode but throughout the whole series outside of finding his father i don't really know what atticus is doing well atticus so th- there's this part in the middle where it it's always just kind of happening he he just kind of floating moment to moment but by about six episode six um because okay why did he call i can't remember off the top of my head but why he called uh uh gi and, and by the way tim so this remember at the the at the start of episode one he makes a call and yeah. you don't know who that is and, and the person's like you shouldn't have gone back home that is somebody who is his his lover in korea yeah she's a oh, right she's yeah tail fox naruto demon which you um, do not know at first yeah <laughs> But but and that's what I'm saying. Like her episode was a very interesting episode. It was like, great. She was a very interesting character. Like and then you you realize what it was that she wanted. What was she lacking and stuff? She found love through being with Atticus, and all of that was great. All the um, Hippolyta stuff was great. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to Atticus, just like for example, the only reason why I think he called Jiha based off what I saw was so that she can explain to him how he dies. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. But then he he turned back around, and I don't know. I, I just so so. I guess your question. Like I said, is, I think he's just a re, a character that just reacts to stuff, and I think that makes for a boring character, in my opinion. Is Letty the main character though? Uh, see, I think Atticus would arguably. I think he's the main character. Because I mean, or the central, huh? It does start with him. Yeah, and everything is circles around him in a sense. Like there would be no story if Atticus wasn't around. It's just the fact that everything outside of him is more interesting than he is. Cause I don't really know what he's doing. You like, know, I don't... Re- so the, 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 my issue with, with Atticus is, and it's not even just simply Atticus. And this is why I, I you know, I jokingly call it a supernatural, but it ends up, it, it ends up in some genre trappings that it, you you could write around and it wouldn't have to look the way it does. Everybody in this show, like if you really boil it down, this show is like a magical black version of something like uh like uh not, well, I guess kind of billions, but what's this other show? No, I, I think I think I am thinking of billions. Where like there's the dad and like you know, there's like his kids around him and like everybody's trying Succession? to like which one? Succession. Succession, damn. See, I got all my shows mixed up. It's Succession I'm thinking of. And the reason I say this is it's really just a show about secrets. It's like secrets and how people will them and like do people. Because there's so many examples in this show where people make decisions and they wouldn't make decisions if somebody else was being honest with them about shit. But then they're not being honest. And so it ends up being like a cascade of like misfortune because people aren't being forthright about like their motivations to stuff. Atticus does it several times. Letty does it several times. Um, Montrose, uh, his lady, uh, excuse me, uh, Atticus's father does it several times. There's a lot of people not telling the truth about what is their motivation for things. Like the, at the end of, so you say you saw the Indiana Jones like episode. So you saw the episode where they found the woman and all that. Yeah, it's so, funny what you said about secrets because for me to realize even that Atticus has this woman in Korea who he's still trying to stay loyal to. That explains why when Letty is kind of like making moves on him early on, he's so resistant. But he's not so, that, that's the weird thing. He's not really staying loyal to her. It, it's, it's really weird. Like, well, the la- because the first, last time I guess he had sex with a woman, she damn near took his soul. So <laughs> like well, for you to understand what that thing, what Jihad can do, like I think if something like that happened to me, I'd be traumatized from, Getting my bones skiggity on too after that. But, but I had well, I, I, I just kind of want to focus on what we were just talking about because we'll go into a whole nother tangent. I think we should get to that. But 
this whole thing about secrets and people not being honest with stuff. I mean, one of the things that's a little frustrating is early on, it feels like things are naturally occurring and flowing as far as what's happening. And then mm-hmm. later, once you get that moment with Montrose, it's just a, a lot of people are making decisions based on information they don't know. And it's not because they couldn't find out. It's not like, oh, there's like some secret thing that's keeping them from getting to it. There are people right next to them who they're having conversations with all the time who just don't share information because they think it's in their best interest to act without that person knowing because they're like, if I tell them they're going to do this thing, so let me do it on my own. And then because they did it on their own and then somebody else did another action, they're like, oh, shit, that actually made things worse. Right. But again, that, that's like a that's a very much like a TV fantasy thing that happens all the time. I love that kind of TV, but it's just it's very different from how the show works early on, though. Mm-hmm. Because Mont Rose, the thing that's weird about him, and I'm going to spoil some of this to him a little bit, but he, for me, is a is a very fascinating character. Um, yeah, he is. But the thing that frustrates me is I don't always feel like I buy what he's like what he's doing. Like, why did he kill that woman at the end? Who who could translate the book of names? He says later it's to protect. Atticus, but it's like, then why did you do X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be all these different, like, if you really start going through it, it's like, well, if that's your motivation, you wouldn't have done this, you wouldn't have done this. And at the very least, like, we know early on, he's not acting in the best interest of Atticus. Hell, he didn't even want Atticus to come save him, you know, when we first see him. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, there are things that happen that are kind of like random and, and you know, like I said, the show's great, but there are things, character actions that sometimes get a little convoluted and, and it's hard to understand why people are doing the things they're doing. Yeah, like Letty does a few things that I don't understand. Like when she goes to Christina. That was, in, that was like, insane. Who is like fucking like M- Maleficent. <laughs> oh, and you mean Maleficent? Maleficent. Like Maleficent. She, she's literally like a female Disney villain. And you go to her awesome. and strike a deal with her. And then I, I didn't understand, for one, I didn't understand why why she gave her the um the mark of Cain, which um Tim, I know you didn't get to the point, but the mark of Cain makes you invulnerable. That's, so that's she pretty made, standard, yeah. Through fantasy, yeah, she so. made Letty like invulnerable for like a certain period of time. And then she gave it to her again towards the end, right? Am I correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. After she threw her from the tower. Mm-hmm. Like why I don't I don't get it. so well, no but no but okay but that that happened okay Tim we are gonna we, we're gonna spoil our kind of thing sorry sorry <laughs> Christina did that because she loves Ruby but did she kill she she she, she, she what well, not really maybe so okay in, I must miss something well, no 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 because keep in mind so that doesn't require look th- this show in death we've seen how that works. I mean, we've seen people be resurrected multiple times in different ways. What you do with that spell is you put people in a coma. That doesn't mean they're dead. And she's keeping a promise to Ruby to keep Letty, to to not harm Letty, essentially. I'm not saying, look, look, I'm not saying it makes sense. But that would be the only reason it would even make sense that she would put the mark back. With my limited information, I'm just really enjoying the Christina character. I think she's just a really good sort of mystery. Oh, Christina's sick. There's something I'm not going to mention at all that's going to still shock you and be like, oh. Yeah, don't don't mention that. That's something that he he would definitely want to find out. Yeah. But you know, like, I, she be one of them. Very important to clarify. It's a silver Bentley. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, but here's the, here's the thing. I think you're gonna steal, even with all the stuff we're telling, you're gonna be shocked at several things, which is that's a, that's how the show works. Like it, it's really good at, at doing that kind of stuff. I mean, just you know, being so audacious if there are things happen that you're just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, I, I like Christina. She Christina's she's a dope. she's a badass female villain in a world full of white male villains. So oh, like, hey, the way she, and again, not ruining this for Tim, but people who watch will know, I thought it was really great, the conversation that 
uh, Ruby and Christina have about why she doesn't care about that. Yeah, that event that they're talking about. And then for the thing to happen to her at the end of that episode to happen was really great. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that sucked, I, I wish they had allowed Christina to say something about that. But I think also all those things combined gave her more empathy um, and, and love for Ruby. This is crazy as that is. I, I, that's what, what I read from it. They definitely have a weird relationship. Um, I don't know. Like, like, what do you think about the Hippolyta episode, though? I think that's the one Man, I hear people I, talk about the most. I, I was emotional watching it because, um, you know, you just don't. We just don't, black people don't have a chance to see that kind of stuff and, and see ourselves that way very much on, in, in uh, multimedia, in, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere. Um, and just like the permission to, you know, well, not said permission. I, I guess the, the, the new word I used earlier was like audacious, but just like the, the vision in, in the, in the, in the just, you know, um, bravery to just go for that and mm-hmm. and really tell that story and make it work because it, it's it's sign it's sci-fi is this and that, but it's also about a man's role uh, in a relationship with a woman and how they can by by complete. It, it, I mean, it's possible to do it without even realizing, but like just stamp down their ambitions. And then have a woman be subservient in such a way where like they just forego their own dreams mm-hmm. and aspirations. Like I thought, I mean, it, that, that whole sequence is about so much stuff. Um, and then to see later just how they bring into, you know, not the idea just simply with, with the husband, but also when you have children, the sacrifices you make for your own ambitions and goals, like the way all that's set up is just so, I mean, I've just never seen it done like that. And I, I really appreciated, you know, everything that was present there. I mean, I, I could talk about that whole episode for an hour, but I, I just thought it was amazing. Yeah, that's damn near a movie by itself. That's what I'm saying. Like this, like that episode and the, um, the, G, the GI episode. Man, that was so good. That was a that was a whole movie in itself. And you know what was the most interesting thing about it? Because it, it had like, it was like a, it's the perfect way to tell like a, I guess you could say a a horror gothic love story. It is right, and where it was, where it's like it's a bit terrifying, but also heartfelt at the same time. And it yeah. goes back to the overall story where we're talking about about like the real life horrors parallel to the Lovecraftian horrors or um, supernatural mythical horrors in the case of um, G.I.'s story, because you see those um, American soldiers when they had the the, the um, Korean nurses outside trying to find which one was the communists, and they mm-hmm. were just shooting them in the head and stuff. And I was like, man, this is some horrible shit. But it's like, think about how crazy it is, but like, you have a demon spooked. Right. Know? Yeah, that's like, how that's how fucked up the situation was that she damn near forgot she was a whole demon. Well, <laughs> yeah, and you know, on top of that, just the way it talks about otherism and how so they they clearly do plenty of that in America showing how it works with race, but then to show how even among people where it's a more monolith you know there's more of a monolith in the society as far as how people look and what you know how you expect them culturally to be and things like that and for them to show some of the atrocities that happened uh, at the time when people were suspected as communists and things like that and just had tore people apart um it was just really uh it's really good yeah and also some of the atrocities that Atticus himself was a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and honestly, that is, I mean, I don't know where I'd rank these episodes. I haven't taken time to like think that part through, um, but that's definitely got to be in the top three, top two, maybe. For but me, that's, that's what my favorite episode. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so good. But it's, that's what makes what happened happens later so frustrating, which is like, she just becomes a side character, like, and, and not just a side character, but like, like a literal, like 
uh, uh, MacGuffin, essentially. Yeah, because they wouldn't have been able to defeat Christina without. Yeah, and I, but but the thing is, it's fine, right? But spoiler, spoiler alert: Christina turns Super Saiyan. Okay, keep going. <laughs> but 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 the thing that, that that's frustrating for me is they have this amazing character. And then they just have Atticus. So when when we get to the point where where Gi and and Letty meet, there's nothing happened. They don't, we don't even see them really talk to each other about the tension between them because of their love for Atticus. And then uh, and you know skipping that extra part that's going on, right? But on top of it, it's just like you know when they're sitting there talking, he's like, okay, so yeah, I came at you wrong, and I say all this ugly stuff to you, but he says to her, we're family. And I was like, oh, no, you did not just skip a bunch of drama to and just, friends her. yeah, like, are you serious? <laughs> she's, because the thing is, like, she had to come out here. And again, like, she was talking about how, you know, her mother just died, so on and so forth, blah, 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 blah. But I just, I just, I just felt like there was more you could do with her and, and, and even have her, you know, interact with, with other folks a little more. Um, you know, like there's not room to do everything in the world, right? I mean, it, it's amazing how much they did do. There are things they did skip, but I thought because that episode was so rich, there were there was just opportunity there that um, wasn't fulfilled. Because I mean, the, you know, there's a lack of, like, as you put it, there's like a conflict within Atticus to some degree. Like I, I, I don't feel his emotional journey like I do, but it, it's literally just about the shit that's right in front of his face. Like he's not really processing things in a complex way mm-hmm. other people are but i feel like that character the way it's written is not really doing that yeah things are just happening to him because because even to an extent i think it would work if someone else was the central character maybe even like letty like we were saying and everything was happening around her in some type of way and he's just like there to help her in some type of way or form but but the fact that i feel and that he's the main character but it feels like i don't know what his motivations are or even much character growth honestly is is just disappointing well but letty has a thing that that they wrote in with her that kept happening too and i it was i thought it was it's intentional because uh, Ruby pointed out how, but the thing, it, it, the only issue I had with Ruby pointed out uh, was that everybody's doing this. Well, like basically people talk to each other when they need some shit. And that's the only time they really talk to each other. And everybody's like, to some degree, like a user of some kind. But I was like, that's literally everybody in the show, except uh, Diana uh, or D the, the little girl in the show yeah, who, who was fantastic too Fant- yeah I, we definitely should should spend some time talking about d um but you know beyond d everybody's doing that except uh hippolyta you know so i really felt like you know in general you know what we saw was you know very selfish people uh doing the sort of stuff and i sorry tim you got to get a spoiler for this i you know once they kill christina uh well, i say no 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 that's that's not true that actually i said something that wasn't true because they don't kill okay <laughs> unfortunately you have to wait and see oh. uh but Aaron um, love the spoil stuff that's not no no but but no, actually, <laughs> not, for that shit. No, i said it but no because man screw it, whatever um <laughs> but because i can't talk about this one point without doing a lot of that to some degree um I thought it was interesting what they chose to do at the end with D. That last moment. Yeah. Because it it showed so what we have with, with D is basically uh you know, there's that moment where her friend has that that tragic moment that's connected to history. Mm-hmm. And then she has the bow with police. Except this ain't just like you know regular stuff. They use magic on them. Yeah, they um, they they summoned the jigaboo on them. Yeah, which jigaboo is hilarious. Um, I don't know if Tim offhand knows what the jigaboo is, but that if you don't know, just just let it happen. Um, but well, sorry, there was a group called the Far Side in 
and one of my white roommates put the Far Sides uh, song, I don't even want to say this word, it's J time on our answering machine in college for some reason. Oh. Chancellor at our super politically correct, I mean, none of us use our answering machine, so we were like, okay. Then the chancellor of our school called me for some reason for the school. <laughs> and he was like, Whoa. what the fuck is this? In his oh, very, man. very, very polite way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, something you had to that's answer. My, that's my association with that word. Oh, uh, man, that's funny as hell. And I need to I need to specify again. I'm sorry to throw my roommate under the bus, but I didn't know. Thanks. <laughs> I think the uh, the statute of limitations are well past. I think it's. I should have. I should have taken a stand. I should. I. But yeah. Anyway, we, we've all had that moment. Uh, mm. But but with D, she has through the things that have happened to her so much anger towards white people. And as we know about what happens in the future, I don't know if you caught this. Um, she's a part of a war that takes place. Um, yeah, after, um, so on top of what they did to take away magic from that individual, they took it away from that whole group of people. Right. And in the story that's written, uh, in the future that, that novel we, we see, um, there is a, essentially it looks like a race war that breaks out. Yeah. And the book is written by Atticus' son. See, I would, man, you talk about spoilers. See, I was just skipping around then. I mean, but, uh, but that's not a big deal. <laughs> we know. I, I guess not. I guess not. <laughs> In comparison but, but, to everything else you didn't say. I guess so. Um, but, you know, overall, you know, we know she's a, a part of that in some way. She has so much anger, so much, like, vitriol. But it's the funny thing is I think what they did by taking away that stuff from that group of people is actually what caused this. They spent a lot of time in this show talking about how magic is like almost like this, uh, like a cursed item in itself, like that it keeps bringing, you know, bad luck and downfalls to people. But when they have an opportunity to get rid of it as a whole, they don't do it, which to me is a little weird. It, it's, it's very, uh, you know, it, it has a, a vengeance to it that's very specific but doesn't seem to, to address the core of the problem because at the end of the day, the issues that are the issues overall for people of color will still be present. Even once you take that element away. Right. right. So it's like, what's the point to some degree of doing it? And I'm, I'm not saying that is a, is a problem with the show, but what's like the for the characters of, what? of like keeping the magic, keeping the magic, but then taken away from, 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 uh, from those specific other people. Why do that? Why would the black, why would the Freemans do it? Yeah, it, it's like, what does it accomplish? If the problem is, is the power, uh, you know, itself, and if that's like somehow vexing or, or creating these issues, why not just remove it completely? It, to me, it felt very, um, and I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying this is a problem with the show, but I'm saying for the characters in the way they're, they're like, they have this tunnel vision about it, mm-hmm. um, like short-sighted. And I would say that's probably what leads to the war. I think that, and and it's just me just guessing. I think it's because it's something that they that they have like some type of semblance of power in a world where they're pretty much powerless. Hmm. Because because even Christina has like a conversation with Ruby about it. Is like it's not so much like with with the you know like when Ruby was even talking about about being white and stuff. Right. Hmm. It's not so much that she wanted to be white. But what magic did was give her the choice to have the options to have yeah, to, 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 to have a, like freedom in a way that she wouldn't normally have that she wouldn't normally have. And that's what that's what magic gives, you know. Um, yeah, because she actually says. Um, well, the person who gives her the power, uh, Christina, says, you know, you didn't understand why this power was given to you. The power was given to you to see what you would do when you have complete freedom. Right. <clears throat> which was, I thought was a really interesting way of putting that. Um, but, you know, I, the thing that's really cool is at the end, D says they they still haven't learned, like they never learned. And I felt like she was talking about all the adults, all the, all the black adults. Like despite everything that happened, 
that the way they went about it and the way they half ass it at the end, they they just they haven't learned yet. And so she had to finish it. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, because everything that happens to her, um, to D is a product of of stuff that the adults did or did not do. Of being victims to it. Yeah, because she when right. when they're at, at at that event, they stop paying attention because they too busy like being petty with each other. When people are leaving and for like weeks on end, they're not communicating to her what's going on. And it's also making her act out. You know, because she's Yeah, but like, then it also leads her to be victim to the police. That's what I'm saying. They, so like they they literally left evidence like with her little comic book on the scene. Mm-hmm. And like everything that they did kept leading to her getting hurt. Even the thing when, when she tried to run the lady and say, I have a problem. There's a fucking jigaboo chasing me. And she's mad because Atticus had just said something. And she's like, I can't right now. Da, 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 da. And she's like, I need help. <laughs> Somebody look at me, goddammit. <laughs> like, and by the time somebody helps, it's too late, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so that, you know, I, I thought that was a, you know, it, this show does so many things well about just like motifs and lessons about certain things and how adults, like when they get so caught up in like the big picture stuff, even like the little things that are happening to them and they get this tunnel vision, sometimes they don't, they don't see the cries for help, you know? That people are, are like they, they're like well why is this person acting out and this and that and then they wait until they start acting out and doing crazy shit to be trying to pay attention to them right you know and by then like they've already kind of spiraled you know to a certain point and not that you can't get them back but if you're not being attentive when they're trying to reach out to you um it, it can you know have a, a large impact on their lives and yeah it, it made me kind of think about how I've always felt like, you know, when people say something about a current generation, just like, you know, some people, you know, have a lot to say about millennials. I believe that it's only because the generation before us failed us and so on and so forth. So it's always mm-hmm. like, you yeah, know, like the greatest generation set up everything for the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. And then the baby boomers were like, oh, shit, we straight. And then they just kind of have been hoarding stuff. <laughs> and then they keep being like why won't these people like now you get to our generation why won't they this why won't they that why don't they have houses why won't they blah 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 it's like you're hoarding all the resources like there's so much research on this it's yeah or, or you just in t- teach us shit but anyway i'm sorry uh, tim what were you about to say i had this thought while watching the show that in the late 90s there was this idea among like me and my cohort in generation x that you know, some people just have to die. Like the people who are like 70 and 80 now are just going to have to die for the world to change. Hmm. They're racist, they're sexist, they're homophobic, whatever. All of this stuff, this generation isn't going to change, they just need to die. And a lot of them have died. And I feel like that stuff is probably worse than it was in the Hmm. 90s, or at least more out front. So it it just made me wonder, like, is this just part of the human condition? Like every generation has to deal with the same problems. Or is there real progress? Which is probably think, too big of a question for. No, no. I think the show actually addresses this in some way. And actually, you know, we see parallels in real life. You know, um, honestly, I mean, I think the big thing is because even when I went to college, there was people who would say things like that. It's particular. Oh my goodness, when Obama won, and everybody kept asking the question about like, are we like, uh, shit? What was the almost no, over now? <laughs> no, what, what was it like? Not race neutral. What was the term everybody kept Racial. using? Post-racial, there we go. Oh, that was the most bullshit thing. I mean, the thing that I think people kept forgetting, because I was on campus, and I remember people he- hearing people say shit like that, and these people would just die off. And I'm like, these people have kids. These people have kids. Yeah. They're going to raise people. And then other things will have, like, it's, it's just, it doesn't, like, function that way. These people are still in power. They're going to fight for that power. And what this show really does a great job of exemplifying is just how there's no such thing as, you know, things working and then being able to just be complacent. Like history doesn't, you know, what is it like? Uh, I forget who said this. Uh, I feel like, I hate to attribute everything to MLK Jr. I feel like he might've said this, but this thing about like justice always tilts to, or, or the tides of history always tilt towards justice or some shit like that. 
but that's just not true. Like you have to constantly work at it and you cannot take these things for granted. So when you do, that's when you get, you know, opportunities for ugliness to arise. And so the thing is, they're still in the throes of so much of that history, though. I mean, this episode, uh, well, there's an episode where they go into the past and they have to relive a really ugly, ugly, ugly moment that happened. And I mean, these when this happened, these people were like these age. They were really young and they're, they're like adults. They're like in their 40s and 50s now and they're scarred by it. But they've taken out a lot of that rage. And, and it, it, it's rubbing off on the kids in some cases. Atticus is traumatized in a lot of ways by Montrose, but he doesn't, you know, Montrose is just, you know, he's like a drunk and this and that and blah, 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 blah. And he's not coming to terms with his identity in many ways. And Atticus is on so many different lists. It's like, I don't care. I'm not dealing with you no more. So on and so forth. And then in some ways he, he, is able to um, come to realize why wow, I, I didn't I didn't know your pain. You know, I just, there was just no way for me to know, and I, I, I didn't I just didn't appreciate what you went through. Um, and in many ways, you know, that's just straight up difficult to do. I mean, there are so many things that. I mean, even the, the idea, you know, that my mother, who, uh, well, I won't say her age, but she grew up um, remembering separate water fountains, uh, segregated schools. My mother is not a, an old woman, you know. Um, this was not a full lifetime ago. And frankly, uh, you know, there are instances all throughout American society, we can see that segregation, while not legal, working as intended, you know, from redlining to the way our public schools work. Like yeah. Nashville has a very, very, very segregated school system. New York City has the, you know, New York City and, and Los Angeles have some of the, you know. Most segregated school systems for, and that's like the yeah. most rural cities. Yeah. Yeah. And there are people there's there's a um a place here in nashville i can't remember naming these schools off the top of my head but we're literally within they're like within two miles of each other and on one side people average about eh, like something like nineteen twenty thousand dollars annually in salary and on the other side it's about ninety five thousand and on the ninety five thousand side you can guess it's almost all white like ninety five percent white the other schools like 95% black and they're both public schools and they're both funded very fucking differently. Yeah. I mean, like this is where I stay. And this is when I was in Chicago, I witnessed it when I was in Memphis, Keith and I witnessed it and the ugliness between, you know, so-called Shelby County versus Memphis is the, you know, Memphis is in Shelby County, whatever, but like people make distinctions and they know school systems merge and all the ugliness that went on with that and how people talked about, having black people with their kids and making their, their kids worse by being present and integrating in any way with the so-called city schools. I mean, these things are still happening all the time. And it's hard to kind of explain how in many ways, like, you know, this show gets the idea that the mundane, I mean, again, I keep coming back to this some way or another, but uh, how we were uh, talking about, you know, stories like the lottery and taking the mundane and making them horror. But really, when you are walking around, there's that thing like James Baldwin, where you, you know, to be aware of certain things, to always be in a rage. Yeah. Lovecraft really gets that in a really interesting way, because even D is the one who says out loud at one point, like, what are you laughing at? Nothing's funny right now. Nothing's funny. There's nothing to be joyful about. And honestly, in, in a present moment, for example, like what we got right now in the White House and all these other things, it can feel like that every day. But you got to find a way to keep going. And it feels like a horror story, but you got to find a way to keep going. And, and that's a lot of what this show's about, too. Right. I also thought about like how, you know, with the in the Jigaboo episode with D, 
like after experiencing everything that she experienced even before the curse was put on her, she got to a point where like she wasn't afraid of shit. Like you mm-hmm. remember she she went she she spit on the police officer, called him a pig, then got on her bike and started, you know. Well no, she was cursed by that point. Yeah, she that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything had already happened. But but there was so much abuse prior to that point, or like um to the point that I think she was just like, you know what, fuck it, you know. And then and then when she locked herself in the in the um in the workshop and started fighting them, I think what that made me think about like where it's almost like this thing of where you you go through so much horror, like 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 I said on a in a in a normal sense, like like things that should not exist, you know, like this the the monstrosity of racism and have to deal with that. And then I guess you with dealing with demons seem to not be as bad after a while when you start thinking about it in perspective, right? Yeah, because it's so, you know, I it, at least you could recognize the monster off back. Yeah, yeah, monster yeah. consistently a monster. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. Like we've talked about this episode in particular the most so far. I feel like, and it, you know, I think it really it grounds the 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 kind of actual context of how these things function in real life more than other episodes, even though, I mean, there's still plenty of magical stuff going on throughout. Um, and honestly, you know, Keith, to your point, I actually can't remember anything else that really happened in the episode. Not that it wasn't good stuff happening in it, but like that's where it starts getting really deep into the, Hey, what's the formula to and that we need to get the curse to blah, 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 blah. And you kind of like, ah, eh, all right, well, you know, I'm I'm interested, but I don't even know what's happening. You right. know, it gets real deep in the weeds on on you know. So, but I mean, it should like that's the kind of show it is, you know, about magic and spells and this and that. Um, I know but, there's going to be like a Reddit page of somebody who's really up on like the Adam and Eve society and all this stuff and really knows the mythology, but I just chose to not pay attention to any <laughs> to focus on like the the interpersonal re- relationships and what the show had to say from like a from a cultural standpoint yeah but it 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 definitely has easter eggs you know um for days you know like if you if that's what you care about this show gives you that if you care about the you know the larger macro messages it gives you that if you just want to see some some gore and some sex and you know like the (laughs) the hbo shit they will give you that like it it has something for everybody you know and i think that is an amazing accomplishment to be able to put all that kind of stuff in this one package. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm blown away by this show. Well, I think the pulpiness of it, the sort of like grotesquery around it enables it to talk more openly about everything because it's like, yeah, we just showed you a monster that's covered in eyes. It's going to be a little bit easier to talk about like interracial relationships now or something like that. Like, if that <laughs> you just saw like yeah. the grossest thing you've I mean you just saw somebody's head get cut off and blood gush out. Like if that's not stigmatized and verboten, then we can also have like an open conversation about whatever else, family dynamics, relationships, racism. The end of episode six, man, I will say like the way it it just does a great job with these set pieces discussing the fluidity of identity, I just thought was, uh, you know, it was just really like a genocide quad. It was just really like, wow. Like, I can't believe I'm looking at this, like that this is being made. And, and uh, it was just, I don't know, man, there's so many favorite moments I have. I kind of don't even know uh, where to where to even go with that. Um, there's certain characters we're like purposely, I think, like leaving out talking. So there's something for you to be shocked by still. I mean, there's, there's a lot we did not cover at all. Um, but one thing that has come up is potentially a season two. I thought this was like going to be just straight up a limited series and just one season. But they, in many ways, left open the possibilities for season two. Uh, you know, Tim, I know you're you're getting through it and you're, you know, liking what you see so far keep based on what you saw from this entire season would you want a season two um i could live without it but <laughs> um 
Now, okay, now why, why do you say that? Like, why aren't you clamoring for a season two? Because, well, that's, that's only because I feel like there's a lot that happens in season one. And I feel like it kind of wraps itself up well enough for me to be good with it. And sometimes I think that some shows do overstay their welcome. And so would two be what makes me like, oh, I'm not really feeling Lovecraft no more. I always mm-hmm. had that fear with shows. Now, most times once I get past season two and I'm thinking like, damn, season two was actually good, then maybe they can make a couple of more seasons, you know. Now, now keep in mind, though, uh, it's not like they have to remain uh in America, they only have to. They don't have to say it in Black America. They have to say it in America. Hell, they can go to yeah. Korea and do the whole thing there. That's what I'm saying. Like it could, in a sense, almost be like um, American Horror Story or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, great point. That's a great point. And, and 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 even if they don't do that, and they still like keep like the same characters and just go on with the story, I would like to see them. Now that we tackle majority magic stuff, maybe do like more sci-fi stories. It's based off um, Lovecraftian um, lore. Um, because certain stuff, you you know, I, I was shocked to not see even hinted towards was the, um, was that thing? The Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because you see them, you see like the tentacles of the Cthulhu on the poster. So I was thinking that it was going to play some type of thing. in the We future. know there are like... I'm- it's almost certainly a Cthulhu out there, but they probably ain't at the high enough power level to summon a Cthulhu. Um, yeah. Just like we know, for example, that there are, are demon tail foxes and there are, you know, there's other stuff out there. Um, so yeah. there's room for them to do all kind of stuff with more monster lore if they're interested in that. I don't, I don't know, you know, I think for me, the, the question is like from a, a dramatic standpoint, if they stay with the same characters, what, compelling thing do you have left to say i think there's a lot of potential um for that uh i'm sorry go ahead no i was gonna say i also like and it's just this just some some of the my favorite moments with the freeman family stuff Mm -hmm. was when they were like mobile like it's something about if having a show that's like a a big like supernatural road trip that would have seemed pretty interesting to me also oh if they kind of had consistently done something because honestly to me the montrose stuff like i feel like that shit happened like way too quick in the beginning because just like we said like it almost felt like a season finale it did it did and i feel like if the even if that was like Everything happens, and it was them traveling all the way to. Cause you know, like road trips and movies, for example, like take fucking forever. Mm. You know, you and I was thinking, like, even with the show, like they can, you know, come across a, a different thing, and you know, whatever. It would have been pretty cool to see that. Maybe they could do something like that with the, you know, second season. So I don't know if they, I would if they do a second season, I would like to see them try to. Um, just do a different take, like rather it's you know the road trip thing, rather it's more sci-fi over uh, fantasy horror. I think honestly, it would be a time travel story. The other thing, apologies if somebody's done this, but the movie Green Book got so much heat for being like a white-centered story about the Green Book. The story of how you go about writing the Green Book is fascinating. And that's kind of what this is at the beginning. Like mm-hmm. he's basically writing a green book, but with all these supernatural elements. If you just took out the supernatural elements and made that a straight drama about whoever put together the green book or the team of people, however it worked, I have someone's calling me. I'm sorry. Um, they want that idea. You got it. It's your idea. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I would not be the one to tell this story. Um, but if you just told the story of how the Green Book was written, that would be an amazing story. I'd love to see that movie or watch that show. I mean, sounds like a pitch to me. I mean, yeah. look, somebody should make it. You know, either me or the Farrelly brothers would be the best people, definitely, right. to tell. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. I I agree. Yeah, let, let's <laughs> let's get them on the phone. <laughs> Perfect. Somebody should definitely do that. I mean, there's there's so many stories that are untapped, and I'm I'm really. You know, within Lovecraft Country and just, you know, they can be told. The one thing I think, you know, well, big picture uh, for, you know, part of our last words, I think what this show 
uh, tells us is there's a lot of black stories to tell. And we've really been, uh, you know, focused on athletes, dope fiends, kingpins, slaves. Um, Tyler Perry. Yes. And there's a shit ton more to say and do and have fun with and have these people feel fully fleshed. And, uh, you know, despite some of the, the things that, you know, I feel like um, don't work as well, this is an amazing accomplishment of, of a damn show. Like it, we did not scratch the surface on several different things. And I just, you know, really, really um, am excited for what Misha Green's, you know, uh, vision is going to do to allow more people to take chances um, when they go into people with, you know, hell, not even just a crazy idea, but a simple idea like, hey, I just want to write a story about a person and here's their drama. I think you'll finally have people go, hey, you know what? We saw it work with Lovecraft Country and it was really good. Let's give it a shot. Instead of going, I, I don't know, maybe we need to change it for our audience. And, you know, I don't know if America's really ready for that story. Fuck that. I think this gives people a chance to to dream a little bigger and, and, and have it be actually, you know, um, considered. Yeah, so we'll see. absolutely. That's the hope. Uh, Keith, uh, Tim, y'all got any any other closing thoughts? I meant to come into this episode uh, thanking Neil Ward, who was one of the stars of Hosts, which we talked about last week, mm-hmm. for tweeting at us. Yes, um, yes, thank you for that. Much respect to him. We all agreed. Whatever we thought of Hosts, we all agreed that he and the other actors were really good. So Damn cool straight. Yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So um, so I ain't got nothing, but you guys can follow us on social media, on Facebook, or at the Low Key Pod on Instagram. 100%. And again, if you made it this far, please tell a friend to check out the episode, uh, rate, review. Um, you know, even if you just tell one person, it's a big deal to us to have an extra listener. So um, again, we appreciate y'all for making it this far, and we'll see y'all next week with a really exciting horror film that's coming out on Netflix. Can't wait to talk about it. It's right. called His House, okay? It's called His House. Uh, yes, dang. So much for shocking the audience. No, but yeah, His House, look at the trailer. It's awesome. Can't wait to talk about it. Um, have high hopes for it. I don't do that a whole lot. I try to normally keep my expectations low, but this looks really great. Cool. We out of here. Peace. Y'all in the next one.